0: This is the Thermopolis Podcast. I'm Smitha. And with my co-host, Rajesh, we bring you this program from our virtual studios. Dharmapolis is a thought experiment, and this is where we discuss some of the most pressing moral and ethical questions of our time. We pose difficult questions, questions that need to be asked if the world as we've come to know it has to change. Welcome to episode 18 of the Dharmapolis podcast, Rajesh. um, I don't know what to say.
1: Well... We did record this once before when it was the 70th anniversary of our republic. And in the meantime, some things have happened, some good things, some bad things, things to people whom I know, which are very, very sad.
0: Yeah, I remember that uh, when we recorded it last time, well, for everybody who's listening, we recorded this episode uh, last month and the podcast has got it. But we weren't talking about all happy things then either. And unfortunately, things haven't improved.
1: The Supreme Court has done a couple of good things.
0: You know, it remains to be seen how the Supreme Court of India's ruling on privacy as a fundamental right is upheld in the country that we're becoming today.
1: Indeed. And and I think that unfortunately, the kind of data collection and uh, surveillance techniques that we are worried about, including Aadhaar, are only going to increase in intensity.
0: And we are just still recovering from shock at listening to the news about Gauri Lankesh in Bangalore.
1: It's very, very sad. Someone who was not a friend, but whom I knew. It is just shocking that in the middle of Bangalore, someone can be assassinated mafia style.
0: And you know what's the saddest thing is that this is just the latest and the shock will wear off just as the shock wears off every other week because some new terrible thing happens and the threshold just keeps changing.
1: Yeah. And and of course, it's also true that it's not safe to be a journalist in India in many, many parts, not just in Bangalore. People have been killed for opposing all kinds of local Goons and thugs, both secular and uh, communal.
0: Yeah. Including the one who exposed Ram Rahim, right? Yes. Swatantrata, we were talking about last month. It was all independence uh, month and 70 years old. And India and Pakistan being 70, somehow the wisdom of the ages doesn't seem to manifest yet in them.
1: You know, there was this movie where people, it was the opposite. Like you were born old And you died young.
0: Benjamin Button, yeah. Yeah,
1: right. So maybe that's what's happening to us. Like we are going through our teenage rebellion years at dawn, our 70th year. But it does look like if we don't act now, things will be really bad for a long time.
0: It's almost like, you know, uh, it's a Game of Thrones rehash going on in the world. Like we're just gone medieval. (laughs) There's just horrendous things happening. Last time when we were recording this, we were talking about Charlottesville and... uh, Children dying in Gorakhpur, Uttar Pradesh. And I think recently, two days back, there, were, there was another incident which did not make the newspapers again in Farukabad or something. And strangely, I haven't seen as much outcry about it. Because, you know, it's happened before. Now we need something new to be upset about.
1: What it also tells you is the depth of governance failure in places like Uttar Pradesh. I mean, there's just no beating around that bush, right? That it's a state with a bigger population than most countries in the world. And it's not a fantastic place to be a child, sadly. No, or
0: to be born in, yes. You know... I can't even make fun of anything anymore. Everything is serious now. It's a matter of life and death for most people in the world. Anyway, I mean, I'm also thinking back to that Independence Day uh, this year and the speech of the Indian Prime Minister. Did you
1: watch it? I did. I looked up some of the facts he shared. looks like they checked out, mostly.
0: Mostly being the key word, right? I mean, anyway, there's been enough written about it since then. Um, But I'm still surprised that people don't see through the underlying rhetoric uh, that was present throughout his speech.
1: yes.
0: I mean we just spoke about all the A din, right?
1: Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> I think you were telling us that it was one of his shortest speeches and, you know, in those in that short speech itself, he said just enough to kind of nod at his followers and his constituency enough
1: if you remember what his response was to the vice president of the now ex-vice vice president of India's outgoing speech, we know it's not a surprise that the things that are happening are happening.
0: Yeah, I just think that we should get back to Ambedkar just so that we can finish the annihilation of caste talking about it. We see caste politics still and I still see forwards about how Brahmins are wronged. So no, it's clearly not over. Caste has not been annihilated, but let's finish that book.
1: Let us indeed. And then I think having finished Ambedkar, or at least having finished Ambedkar's annihilation of caste, we might want to engage with more contemporary issues, with more contemporary texts. But this is something that I feel is a should be a big theme for us because we can't keep up with the downward spiral, because it's sort of happening on a minute by minute basis. And yet at the same time, we can't neglect it either. So it's sort of, the question is, can we at Dharmapolis reflect on what's happening while not being um, overwhelmed by it? So I I feel like at Dharmapolis, we need to actively reflect on what's happening today um, act the active being the key word because we can't be removed from everyday circumstances, but we can't be fully overwhelmed by it either.
0: But I thought you were going to start that party of your own
1: in Tamil Nadu. Mm, Yogi Yogi, R- Ranganath's new party. Uh, but you know, Yo Yogi, exactly. But उसके लिए a note So by note you mean capital? Yes. Because you need capital to reach the capital.
0: I prefer talking about the capital C. Voilà, capital.
1: You mean Marx Baba Way, way. Uh, I want to talk about him too, but in an oblique way. How? You know, I find it interesting that Ambedkar stays away from the means of production in an um, annihilation of cost.
0: No, he clearly thinks social hierarchies are more important than
1: class hierarchies in India. Yeah. And do you think that that's a correct diagnosis?
0: No, it doesn't surprise me that a Dalit intellectual has an acute sense of social oppression, of course.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't surprise me either. But, uh, you know, some of the more recent Dalit uh, leaders new, like Jignesh Miamani, they have started highlighting class much more so than Ambedkar did. Incidentally.
0: You mean they're conflating the caste and class uh, bits, which has been happening for a while?
1: They are much more conscious about the class relations that are also... Part of the same analysis. Hmm. More so than Ambedkar was, I believe. Especially when it comes to land issues. So I wonder.
0: wonder what.
1: Well, everywhere in India you go, you know, either in person or on WhatsApp, you see this unending social and political discourse caste this and caste that, religion this and religion that, politicians, yay, whoa vagara, vagara. No,
0: Sub politicians, chore, hand, etc., etc. I mean, don't we love that? social commentary don't politicize this but then we hate all politicians but we don't uh, criticize uh, Tata, Birla Ambani, Adani nearly (laughs) as much I mean I can see where you're going
1: yeah why don't you read my mind
0: so maybe what you're saying is that so much focus on a narrow understanding of the social makes us neglect the economic and material basis of society, which has a tremendous role to play.
1: I, especially after liberalization, and I can't believe it's 25 years since it's happened, but, you know, shining India. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The shining India is totally, you know, controlled by the corporate world.
1: And apart from its oppression of the human World that we all know about, its impact on the non human world has also been immense.
0: So, but we don't talk about it as much as we should.
1: And that is exactly what I was thinking in my head. So, you read my mind. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. I agree with you, obviously. And we can't understand this new Hindutva India. Without grasping its material basis, this new Hindutva India.
1: Yeah, I mean you know this they, shining Hindutva. I think it's really not. we need to really reflect on you know how dharma and artha are tied with each other. Good topic for another conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, after we finish the annihilation of caste that like we discussed, um, which
1: is today. Today, the beginning of the end.
0: It's a very good place to
1: start. So let's start at the very end. I'm fascinated by the nationalism implicit in Baba Saab. Where? You know, where he talks about uh, section 13.2, you know, have not Hindus committed treason against their country in the interests of their caste? And then soon afterward, in 14.1, my ideal would be a society based on liberty, fraternity and equality.
0: Wow, wow. the ideas of the French Revolution. Yeah. So I'm guessing you want to talk about those treasonous acts.
1: Yes, that one's primary loyalties are to the nation, not to one's caste.
0: Isn't that what Uh, the freedom movement was about that we're creating one nation for all Indians isn't that what all nations today are about yes so so even Ambedkar's idea of society then is informed by the idea of nation
1: yeah I mean I think that was the time of nationalism like I think today again and to imagine society was to imagine a nation this is actually where I worry about Ambedkar because this Ambedkar, you know, might be, you know, can be adopted by the Hindutva people who will agree with him.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, they'll take, they can take a few words of his and just, yeah, those can be easily hijacked. I think we talked about it last time as well, except that our Rakshaks are not really thinking of a nation built on liberty, equality and fraternity. I mean, it's a little like hair, hey, liberty, equality, but not for everybody, sorry. Fraternity to
1: Haiti. Don't give me that anti-national talk again.
0: Yeah, but you're right. We have um, invested the nation with an authority that's inconsistent with older forms of human assembly.
1: Yeah, and and I think that this is, of course, the Gandhi-America debate again. And unlike Gandhi, I have no respect for caste. But it's also true that caste bonds are... I mean, it's true for better or worse that caste bonds can't live alongside nationhood. And I think it's a kind of Protestant nationhood, which I am very, very skeptical about.
0: I'm skeptical about nationhood itself, honestly speaking. But why protest?
1: It? But love, it's a direct, you know, the Protestant idea of worship, which is direct. So connection between the individual and God or the state, I feel is is uh, it's a dangerous idea in many ways.
0: What, what's your problem with that?
1: Okay, guess my mind again.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Is it that uh, such a strict notion prevents other identities?
1: There's that.
0: Okay, let me put on my Yogi Yogi hat. It uh, invests so much power in one abstraction and removes all challenges to that supreme power.
1: Yogini, yogini. That is exactly how I was thinking.
0: But these days, liberals are happy with multiple identities.
1: I agree they are. But I also feel like those identities can only live when subordinated by citizenship, you know, for better, again, for better or worse. But,
0: uh, okay, I mean, I agree, but I'm just trying to, you know, see the other side also. (laughs) But what's so bad about that? Like, don't you want to cherish your fellow citizens equally? Like, Baba Sahib also says, democracy... Is not merely a form of government; it's primarily a mode of associated living, of conjoint, communicated experience. Do you have any problems with that, Rajesh?
1: I don't. <laughs> Wait, I don't. As long as I'm, I remain yogi yogiji. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I think, I think where I'm facing a problem is why stop at the nation? मतलब why what is it that prevents? And again, I'm going to put on. I will be labelled anti-national. But, but what is a problem with being fraternal and conjoined, uh, conjoint you know with pakistanis
0: i don't see any problem but tell that to our leaders of india and pakistan and the u.s and all of the countries i think the politicians are really to blame i think both the social discourse they not train me i think there's some
1: substance to that <laughs> yeah Ah, but I mean, listen, this is an important topic, which we will have to engage with in many, many podcasts, because I think that, again, I want to come back to a famous debate between Gandhi and Tagore on nationhood, where I think Gandhi was wrong, Tagore was right. This nation has become a real problem. So, in fact, I I want to say this nation cannot live alongside dharma.
0: You heard it here first. Yep. Okay. Shall we move on to our next topic?
1: Yes. It's an important topic given that our ultimate goal is the annihilation of caste.
0: So the whole book is pretty much a treatise on how caste is useless, illogical and anything built on, on the foundation of caste cannot stand for long.
1: Yeah. So what's the solution? I mean, what, according to Ambedkar, do we reform, you know, and how, How? what in the social order can we reform?
0: He laughs off the idea of doing away with subcastes as a first step, which was suggested by a few I think, uh, Because there's no guarantee that the removal of fusion of subcastes will proceed to the caste or have the same effect on the actual
1: castes. And inter didn't work out either. So there is exactly one thing which is a bomb for the caste Hindus.
0: Oh, still, right? I mean, even today, it's uh, intermarriage.
1: Intermarriage, he insists that marriage is a greater force for Hindus than for non-Hindus. Where, So he says, where society is already well-knit by other ties, marriage is an ordinary incident of life. But where society is cut asunder, marriage is a binding force, becomes a matter of urgent necessity.
0: He, He does believe intermarriage to be the biggest arsenal in the fight against caste. I hate that we are using all these war metaphors, but hey. Uh, but here, his argument kind of comes a full circle, too. He says that Hindus observe caste because they're religious and their religion tells them so. So basically, he's blaming the Shastras.
1: Yep. And he's invoking Gandhi again. I mean, if you remember, a lot of Gandhi's philosophy was guided by the fact that he was a religious man, a Hindu religious man, right? And Ambedkar says that social reformers, including Gandhi, are working to remove social ills without realizing that the ills are actually a result of the belief in the sanctity of the Shastras.
0: Oh, man, I remember Ambedkar saying that Hinduism is nothing but a collection of castes. And now he's saying that castes are because the Shastras teach us the caste. It's a vicious cycle. I kind of agree with him, of course, uh, that what is wrong with Hinduism is the religion itself that makes caste a part of it, an inherent part of it.
1: But I know you disagree with him over the blame he accords Hinduism. I do, and and of course I think some of it is intellectual, some of it is not. But I do I, I, to say that Hinduism is faulty and we must give it up is defeatist. Um, you know, I, I think it's my dharma, and I mean, I would say that forget Hinduism. I don't even know what that term means. Dharma is dharma, and I should have the I have the right and the ability and the desire to interpret it and change it as I deem fit. If you cannot no one else can Yo ji.
0: Yo pukar
1: Yo ki pukar Tathastu. So the fact that in India the intellectual class is the Brahmins, now that's something that according to Ambedkar, another reason the reform will not happen. Now why will the Brahmins let go of their superior position in society? Now each caste takes consolation in the fact that there is a scale of castes. And it's about some other caste. So unless you're at the very bottom, you have somebody to kick down. And Brahmins, of course, don't have anyone to, to bow down to. So why would they?
0: Yeah, it's almost like a caste percentile system.
1: You know? <laughs> I mean, don't give me the, these exam and war metaphors need to go away. <laughs> uh, but we
0: have all been colonized by exams and wars.
1: But he says something very interesting here. He says that there are mischief mongers who do not want the status quo to change. In that, he says, all are slaves of the caste system, but all, are the, all the slaves are not equal in status.
0: Yeah, mind-boggling. I mean, so I'm, I'm interested in what you said earlier, that religion as a matter of principles, not rules. But...
1: I mean, the great man said it. You know, I'm merely agreeing with him. But yes, is Buddhism a set of principles? Is it rules? Is it universal? Is it applicable to all races and all countries or all times? oh. Yeah, that's the question I'm asking, a dharma question.
0: So is Hinduism about universal principles or a set of commands which are mostly prohibitive?
1: I mean, Ambedkar clearly thinks the latter. And, and again, you know, the protestantization of his thinking is clear because one has to ask whether universal rules and beliefs are the thing to aim for in the first place. But again, we won't go there today. But, you know, there is that orientalist scholarship, which I think influences Ambedkar. And we should be ready to acknowledge that today. Mm.
0: Orientalism, <laughs> yeah. But Hindus professing religious knowledge are all about the Vedas and the Smritis,
1: right? No, that they are. And that's why um, Amitkar refuses to treat Hinduism as a religion, because he thinks it's too rigid, it cannot be changed, therefore, it must be destroyed. And I say again, I don't want to use the word religion, because Dharma is not religion, and it's not rigid and it can be changed over the times.
0: Ambedkar suggests some reforms also, but uh, he does feel religion. We're still talking about religion. I know you've moved on to dharma, but <laughs> we, he does feel that religion is necessary and so prescribes that there should be one book for the Hindus, priesthood abolished, uh, blah, blah, blah. and Or at least it should not be hereditary. Priests should be the servant of the state and the number of priests should be limited by law.
1: State and nation, once again, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with the democratization of priesthood, but I don't know, confining a religion to a book seems to evoke a new set of problems.
0: Hmm. And in all his ideas on Hindu reform, what stuck with me was when he says, nothing is fixed, nothing is is eternal, nothing is sanatana. Everything is changing. He's agreeing with you there, actually. (laughs) He's saying that there must be constant revision of old values. What's old isn't necessarily good and beyond criticism.
1: There are two terms that I want to use. One is desh kal, right? Everything in its time and place. And uh, ava gaman, which is coming and going. And I think that one can be very insistent on dharma without having any allegiance to a previous era's condition. And I think we can, rightfully, we can and should critique past its time has come and gone i think we would both agree that it, its time had never come and it should have never come therefore it shouldn't be going either but it
0: but we can't change the past it happened
1: but but we have to but i think we also have to recognize in its coming and going how it's now going to be morphed i i do worry that uh, the hindutva version of uh Non-caste Hinduism, if at all that is possible, might be a pretty dangerous beast of its own.
0: He he ends his address by saying that this cause, this annihilation of caste, is more difficult to obtain than the national cause, which was doing the rounds at that time. Swaraj, because Swaraj is fought with the whole nation with you, but this, this is more complicated.
1: It's very complicated, and and we face those questions. To this day. And after all, we started this reading Annihilation of Cost with a Kora post on caste. Yep,
0: I was just thinking about it the other
1: day. You know, I received a forward from my uncleji about how Brahmins have actually been victims, they've been penalized. I mean, especially South Indian Brahmins, I think the victimhood quotient is pretty high. And, and you know, that Brahmins never prevented others from learning. They weren't rich or powerful. Attributed to Sri Sri Mutturaman Krishnamurti. I don't know. But it's another way, you know, how some of what Ambedkar said back then is still true. Brahmins don't want caste to go away. Oh,
0: yes.
1: But uh, hashtag not all Brahmins. <laughs> <laughs> not all
0: Brahmins. Ne- Brahmin
1: lives matter. That's what they will say. Ah, absolutely. There you go. I, I feel like if it's that something that we start even tongue-in-cheek, it will actually be adopted as I something know. serious.
0: I know, right? And that's the scariest part of living in this world today. In this,
1: oh. But it doesn't mean that we can't change.
0: Dharma says it can, and one can only hope.
1: Don't say we didn't warn you, or that Ambedkar didn't, all those years ago.
0: It's been really interesting to read Ambedkar, especially in these times. Uh, I know that i We'll go back to it often. We might take a break from our classic book series uh, and do a little bit of a usual podcast for a bit. Um, let us know if you think we should read any other classic texts next.
1: Until next time, goodbye from Yogi Yogi G in our virtual studio. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.